welcome to the Day Health Strategies podcast, Unlocking Accountable Care, the healthcare podcast where we talk everything value-based care with the top experts in the field. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Unlocking Accountable Care. I am your host, Emily George, and today, Nico Lehman-White, consultant at Day Health Strategies, sat down to speak with Michelle Sasso and Becca Diamond, who both sit in the Department of Accountable Care and Clinical Integration at Boston Children's Hospital. Tufts Health Public Plans and Boston Children's Accountable Care Organization have partnered to participate in the Mass Health Accountable Care Organization program. Tufts Health Together with Boston Children's ACO is a mass health plan offered by Tufts Health Public Plans that provides quality health care for pediatric members. All right. Well, uh, thank you and welcome to this next episode of Unlocking Accountable Care. Today we have with us Michelle Sasso and Rebecca Diamond, who both work at Boston Children's Hospital. So Michelle and Rebecca, I was wondering if you guys could just give us a little bit of background about what your roles are and and what you do here. So this is Rebecca Diamond. I am the Director of Policy and Business Relations here at Boston Children's Hospital um, in the newly formed uh, Department of Accountable Care and Clinical Integration. Uh, And so my focus is really on predominantly um, the Medicaid Accountable Care Organization um, that we support here at the hospital. And my background is in um, policy and operations at the state level for payers. Hi, this is Michelle Sasso. I am our Director of Clinical Programs and Technology for the Department of Accountable Care and Clinical Integration here at Boston Children's Hospital. I oversee a lot of our clinical programming as it relates both to our value-based care initiatives as well as how we're thinking about clinically integrating primary care and specialty care as well as a lot of the work we do in the community. In addition, I also work and liaise with many other departments in the hospital, both clinically as well as on the digital and IT front of how can we think about innovation in a different way, especially as the payment models might better suit some of those changes in the market. And could you give a little bit of background about uh, Boston Children's Hospital's participation in the MassHealth ACO program? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Boston Children's has kind of a long-standing experience in value-based care, trying to cut costs and improve quality of care. And so um, when Massachusetts, um, you know, as part of the 1115 waiver, uh, submitted the plan for accountable care organizations, we had really started the groundwork on that. Um, so things like integrating behavioral health and primary care, um, improving uh, outcomes in our primary care setting, Um, setting quality measures. We had already been part of a commercial accountable care plan um, and done several of those. And so um, we were really excited to start doing this for our Medicaid population. Um, You know, Boston Children's has a commitment to serving all children who need to come through our doors. Medicaid is the largest payer for kids in Massachusetts at about 40%. Um, We also have a commitment to primary care and we'll talk a little bit more Um, about our primary care um, affiliations throughout the state of Massachusetts, not just within the walls of our hospital. Um, We also were really interested in learning more about managed care operations. I think that as the healthcare landscape changes um, throughout the state and throughout the nation, that's been 
um, really important for us as well. So when, uh, when it was announced that these ACOs were come to, gonna come to the fore, um, it was really important for us to kind of put ourselves in, right in the environment, to look into having a specifically pediatric accountable care organization, something that's unique mm -hmm. among all 17 of the accountable care organizations in Massachusetts. Um, we wanna be a voice for kids and for families. Um, and so I think that the hospital was really excited about it, um, willing to get on board. And in addition, not only do we have our uh, network of uh, patients in our ACO, which is nearing uh, day by day almost 100,000 pediatric and young adult lives, um, we also take care of you know, patients from every other um, ACO as well. And so it's really important for us to be a part of that. So another aspect of preparing as an ACO is that um, Boston Children's Hospital is just part of a broader Boston Children's Enterprise. Uh, that enterprise is composed of broadly kind of three players. So it's the hospital, it's the specialties, um, and it's also our uh, community primary care providers, the PPOC. And for this ACO, those three entities have banded together um, basically to assume the risk on our population and also to support the network of care for our population. And we work with each one of those players, um, both in primary care and in specialty care, to try to figure out what the best programming is for this ACO, what opportunities there are, um, and so they've been kind of invaluable partners and really serve as the network of care for this ACO. So to give you a sense of our membership in the ACO, um, we are by and large pediatric and young adults. I believe two to three percent of our population um, are considered adults. Uh, we have some stragglers that get in there. Mm -hmm. um, patients in our ACO are in our ACO because they see a primary care provider in our enterprise. So about 15% of those patients see primary care providers who are at the hospital. We have three clinics at the hospital, so we have um, the the hospital practice that is within the Longwood building. We have one that is in Jamaica Plain at the Martha Elliott Health Center, and then we also have our adolescent practice. Um, and then we have all of our practices in the PBOC, which is about 85% of our population in the ACO, um, and they are stretched across the state um, in over 80 practices. So you mentioned that um, Boston Children's Hospital is the only pediatric ACO out of the whole program. So the one out of, I, I believe there are 17. So I was wondering if you could expand a little bit more on, you know, how you feel that your experience as a pediatric provider is, is kind of unique compared to what the other 16 have experienced. Sure. Uh, so we certainly um, have very special nuances um, in taking care of kids who, as, as you will hear time and time again in the world of pediatrics, are not tiny adults um, in this environment. And we have really been at the forefront of advocating for, um, for kids and for young adults um, in this system. I think first and foremost, um, you know, this was really built off of a Medicare model, of course, um, as a lot of Medicaid plans tend to be. Um, and so it really was not with an eye towards pediatrics when it was first envisioned. What I will say is that MassHealth, the state Medicaid agency, agency, has been a wonderful partner in terms of thinking through how do we make this model work for kids? And, and when I say that, what do I mean? Um, I think overall things like return on investment, right? Short-term return on investment, looking at complex patients and um, I will ask Michelle to elaborate more on the complex patient piece of it, um, is very different for kids than for adults. So by and large, for adults, you may have four or five 
complex types of patients. You know, you have COPD, you have diabetes, you have high blood pressure. Um, for children, you have a much uh, broader landscape of children who have complex issues. And so when you think about investments in populations, you may have a much smaller group of patients. And so how do you direct those dollars? How do you measure outcomes? Um, it's much more complicated and much more challenging in a pediatric environment. Uh -huh. So tougher to scale programs. Much tougher. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. I w yeah, so we definitely have trouble, as Becca mentioned, for the complex PD population, which in the adult side is where you often find your largest cost savings in an ACO environment. We have a much more heterogeneous population. It's not as homogenous where you can apply X number of resources per patient population, scale it, and hopefully see some returns. And so we've been struggling on what's that next tier down? How do you really understand what the complex patient needs, as heterogeneous as they are, but then where are their population health opportunities? In children, obviously that jumps to asthma, so we've done a lot historically as an institution in the asthma space, but that's not the only place we want to focus. So we've been working a lot as well in the complex care. As Boston Children's Hospital, we do see some of the most complex patients, and so we want to understand how we can put those supports and infrastructure in so that we can look at all of those patients as heterogeneous as that population might look like also for kids and adults, but one thing we focus on is our behavioral health opportunities. So there's a huge access issue across the nation, um, but specifically in Massachusetts, a behavioral health provider for pediatrics, especially for the higher acute need, is at a real deficit right now. And so we're really trying to understand how to improve access, whether that's training our primary care physicians to take on more, whether that's embedding behavioral health providers and training the workforce in a pediatric model so that we can really make sure we're setting the stage for how these kids can be taken care of throughout their lifetime. Because if you hit it now, that's actually going to be a longer term savings, which is hard to to pitch, if you will, in a ACO environment when you're looking at, you know, shorter term contract length or budget years, you know, we're looking at what is the lifetime, what are we going to set up in the pediatric life of our patients. Um, another big thing we struggle with on the pediatric side, besides some of the clinical pieces, is that a lot of the work we do is family-centric versus just patient-centric. And so in the way that ACO models are developed, and the one here in Massachusetts, it's all aligned to the single patient and who their primary care provider is. And as you could imagine, some of that, yes, our kids usually go to the same pediatrician, but it can be difficult to think about some of our programming, especially those related to social determinants or health-related social needs, where we want to take a family-centric approach, and yet the program currently still focuses on the individual versus the family and so that can be difficult both on the investment but also in programmatic design yeah I think that a theme that you will continue to hear and one that we talk to the state all the time about right mm -hmm. is that when we're looking at um, cost savings we're thinking about a 10 15 20 and so on year timeline of return and yeah. we want to make the whole kid better right we want to make their environment better um, and that's really what an ACO is all about. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of time, if you look at kind of Medicare models, right, they're really focusing on 
um, the top 5% most complex patients who are 50% of the spend. We don't have that mm -hmm. in pediatrics. And so it's a very different conversation. Mm -hmm. And so we're really excited that we can kind of experiment, test this model, see what works for kids. And we're in this, you know, the state of Massachusetts, which is looking to be the leader in this space, which is really exciting. Um, I think a few other pieces just to, to mention them. Um, so there are operational challenges, um, in particular how patients are assigned to a plan. Um, so uh, one of our biggest headaches has been newborns. So newborns under mass health policy are assigned to their mom's plan. Um, of the roughly 400, 500,000 uh, kids who are in Medicaid managed care, if we're covering 100,000 of them, and very rarely the parents, those kids are often not going to be in the right plan. And so we worked, you know, hand in hand. I will give, you know, Mass Health and other ACOs so so much credit um, in trying to figure out how to resolve this problem. And you know, furthermore, if you're in a model where primary care is really supposed to be kind of helping to prevent med medical costs, um, and that's so much prevention is so much of the bedrock of an ACO. If a baby's in a NICU, what was their PCP going to do to prevent that cost, right? Yeah. And so I think that we have just been at, you know, we're so thankful that we can have these really interesting policy and operational um, discussions with MassHealth. They've actually mm -hmm. rolled out a whole plan um, where essentially they're going to take away the risk, assign kids more appropriately. For example, if they have a sibling, assign them mm -hmm. to their sibling's primary care provider instead of their mom's primary care provider. Um, but these are all, you know, very helpful things that seem small, but they matter to families and they matter to providers. Mm -hmm. The last thing I'll say um, is on the, the rate side. Kids are cheap. Mm -hmm. um, they're cheaper than adults. And so the way in which we think about spending money is much different. Um, mm -hmm. By and large, every other, all the other 16 accountable care organizations um, have roughly a 40-60 kid to adult split, um, at least based on data that we got about a year ago from Medicaid. Um, and so it's just a much different landscape in which we function and how we think about caring for patients because the dollars are different, the mix of patients is different, we don't have Medicare patients, things like that. Right. Yeah. What are challenges coordinating care within and outside of the organization? I will start with the, what everyone might think of as the immediate technology, right? So all systems don't speak to all other systems. And so that would be um, one of the largest barriers, both across hospital systems, across primary care and hospitals, but also with MassHealth and the Community Partners Program and other programs they're setting up with this idea of a shared care team and a shared care plan, and yet, the systems don't talk to each other, and so there's a lot of Excel documents and PDF forms mm -hmm. being transmitted via secure email across different um, institutions or settings of care. So I think that alone is, while the intentions are there to really think about how to coordinate the care across the continuum, the administrative burden to try and do that has not been solved. Um, and where interoperability um, is a challenge is also with school systems. Mm. And so, you know, if you think about where, you know, meeting the patient where they are, mm -hmm. in pediatrics and young adults, they may come to their PCP once a year for a well visit, but by and large they're in schools. And so how can we mm -hmm. work with schools um, who sometimes are managing, you know, medical and behavioral care for these kids to, to better understand um, what's going on and what we can do as a community of care um, to care for these kids. So you mentioned that the PPOC is spread all over the state of Massachusetts. I'm wondering how 
uh, different regional challenges can you know play into your strategy in addressing the health needs of your population. Yes, coordinating care and the pediatric expertise is varied across the state. It is something that we find trouble with as well as I'm sure the other ACOs in other regions. And so we have tried hard to figure out what are those partnerships, where can we work with practices in certain regions to find um, proper pediatric expertise or if necessary, then we do have patients come to the greater Boston area or one of the satellites, although that's not necessarily the ideal state. That's not necessarily what we are trying to accomplish. Um, also with things like the LTSS Community Partners Program, there is varied expertise of pediatrics among the community agencies, and so thinking about who do we partner with, how do we partner across the state with different even social service agencies. With the Flexible Services Program, for example, we wanted to find a housing agency that specifically helped find housing for families. There's a lot of work out there and agencies that we know are being partnered with for the program where they can place single adults or you know paired adults, but it's hard to find affordable housing for the entire family. And so we're just constantly trying to find where we can offer the partnership or figure out how to build that partnership so that our patients and families have equitable access to pediatric care across the state. So I would imagine in Western Massachusetts, some of those services are a little bit more sparse. I mean, have you found that uh, your care management teams kind of have to you know, pick up the slack if there isn't an opportunity to partner there? Yes, we do have a strong care management team out there in that region who is doing a lot of that work and trying to coordinate the care and make a lot of those partnerships. We're also trying to explore a lot of technology or digital interventions, whether that be virtually, so that we can offer an extension of a region, if you will, with other areas, um, or finding other technology or app options that we could try and help to bridge the gap. And so uh, what level of kind of independence do the PPOC practices have and, uh, you know, can, is it easy to, to go in there and say, like, we need to kind of change these workflows somewhat? Um, you know, what was the response to that? Was it a range or? Uh, so the PPOC and the hospital-based practices both have quite a bit of infrastructure built up and the idea of quality improvement. Mm -hmm. So we are able to use those existing structures to help move some of these processes along. Sometimes we did have to go in and say, this is a new requirement. It may not be the best thing, but we're gonna have to do it. And sometimes a lot of the providers and um, practice staff were very excited. They were open to some of these changes because it could make their life and their patients' lives better. Um, so we did um, benefit from sitting on that infrastructure of quality improvement, how do you go out, work with practices, um, as well as also um, shifting over and trying to do a little more work to standardize. Thus far, there hasn't been as much requirement to necessarily standardize what everybody is doing. We just want to make sure that there's the utmost patient care. So mm -hmm. we have done a bit of work. We try to say not necessarily standardized, but more unify what everyone is doing. So at least the processes and how patients are getting care is equitable across what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier in the conversation, uh, behavioral health integration initiative. I'm, I'm wondering how that kind of plays out amongst the PPOC practices. Yes, yeah, so we have now, um, 
all of the practices, so as Becca mentioned, we have over 80 PPOC practices. They are all trained in the behavioral health module that's put together to think about what are those lower acuity behavioral health conditions that could be managed in the medical home, or how can we feel that pediatricians have the support they need to understand how to do medical management for ADHD medications or other pretty common um, lower acuity behavioral health conditions in children. Then we also have in a little over 50 of the practices embedded an integrated behavioral health provider. How 50? Yes, yes. So they're, they're in the building? Yes, they are in the building, they're in the practice, and that's to do a lot um, of both that warm handoff that you hear. Let me take you right down the hall and introduce you to my colleague. Remove a lot of that stigma that you hear. We do see um, with many populations that there's still a high stigma on behavioral health, and so families might not want to you know go take someone to someone else to get care and so showing that they're all part of the same team has really helped um, improve access to care of a lot of those patients who really needed it or previously maybe had trouble in the community trying to access a behavioral health provider wow, that's pretty amazing it sounds like pretty much everyone within the ACO has pretty readily accessible behavioral health providers which I know is is very often not the case, especially in adult populations. So, so kudos to you guys, that, that's very exciting. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared. We have one last question for you. So what advice would you give to another health system transitioning to a Medicaid ACO, pediatric or adult? So I'll start. Um, the basis that we actually didn't talk too much about in many of the other questions so I want to touch on is this idea of data. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work that we do is data informed and we are constantly looking both at our claims data that we can get from the payers as well as our internal EMR data and any other data honestly we can get our hands on. Mm -hmm. And so really investing in the data infrastructure, both databases, analysts to be able to understand what the data is telling you is really instrumental both in setting up what your AC plan should look like and know or at least try to anticipate and model what you could be getting yourself into and then also really helps to identify both opportunities as well as understanding you know evaluation how are you doing where are you going what's making an impact and while that's not the only picture it is such a big piece of the picture and we really rely heavily on our analytics team to understand and tell us the story using that data and we've put a lot of investment there um, I think two really key pieces of what we do, kind of just from a, a policy perspective, first and foremost is we want to take care of the patient. So when we're looking at, and in, in particular, I think we hear this in pediatrics, when we're looking at interventions, try to think about what is best for the patient and what is best for the family. Um, and that's really how we've set our clinical priorities. It's how we think about our operational issues. Um, and I think it really sits as a cornerstone for us as an ACO and as an institution that supports an ACO. Um, second, I would say that it's very important and we are very fortunate um, that we have this, that leadership support the notion of value-based care. I think there is a, a, a challenge, especially in a large academic medical system, to be um, a movement of value-based care. And I think that um, it's something you continue to see. It's something that's gonna continue to be very important. Uh, you know, our department, the Department of Accountable Care and Clinical Integration was just established as a department of the hospital um, because our leadership understands the value of this work. 
And so um, I think that that's really important because it is a culture change. Um, and so to have that backing is really crucial. Mm -hmm. And I'll just end on a big piece that we have made sure to include throughout the whole process in planning and executing is patient and family voice in a lot of this. We know that's something Mass Health has really been um, interested in, but we really do take that in a lot of our work to heart. And mm -hmm. so thinking about as you're setting up processes and programs, yes, it's important to know what leadership is interested in or what's gonna work for providers, because that's just as important, but also understanding from the patient and family what's going to work because the last thing you want to do is invest in this great new model of care and then mm -hmm. it's not going to actually work for your population huh. so we work with we have a patient family advisory committee we hold focus groups we do surveys we have our pediatricians just talk you know candidly with our patients and we get a lot of feedback that way both as we're developing programming or evaluating how we've been doing well that's all the time we have for today i'd like to thank our guests michelle and becca for coming on to discuss their experiences in the world of pediatric Medicaid ACOs and our listeners out there for tuning in. Until next time, this is the... If you are interested in learning more about accountable care or how organizations can succeed in today's healthcare system, please visit our website, www.dayhealthstrategies.com, check out our blog, follow us on Twitter, and join our mailing list. We regularly post content relevant to current healthcare issues and overcoming challenges in delivering value-based care.